you've seen that this shift in time has occurred. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, there's the lights. I was, I was going home this past week and I saw crews ascending ladders. They had shrubs wrapped in circles. They had bows and other holiday paraphernalia that they were then putting up in like faux tree fashion. And they were saying a new thing has come. It's the holiday season. You know what I'm talking about. This, this thing, it, it communicates to us and often we experience as individuals and yet there's something that I wanna, I wanna get at here as we begin this conversation in Advent. In fact, it's, it's a conversation that around the globe, billions of followers of Jesus are having this same conversation. They're actually looking and receiving these scriptures that are meant to cultivate our longing for this shift in time. And it's interesting because these small visual markers, you may have, um, did anybody here prior to Thanksgiving put up Christmas stuff? Yeah, yeah, we went hard. We went hard in the paint and we put up stuff like two weeks ago. We were just, we were feeling it. There's been music playing and it's just, it's been great. We, we found a strategic place to put our tree, uh, which I know is like, if you're like really liturgical and you really embrace Advent, you don't put up your tree until Christmas Eve. That's not us. I know this is serious. Um, but we like found a corner where the, the boys won't get to it. And so the ornaments have, are still on there. It's fantastic. But these little signals, they, they tell us that there's something new. There's like this anticipation and it also taps into this nostalgia all of a sudden I hear these songs and I'm transported to a world that I'm like, I just, it's like, it's all uh, just Santa Claus, the movie. That's my Christmas memories. Uh, but but it's, it's there, it's the holiday season. It's this interesting thing. And so I, I found myself thinking, because I'm weird, a lot about the holiday season and how it both expands time and it, it squishes it together. It does this, it's this weird thing. And have you felt that? Like the holiday season seems like it's gonna last forever and then all of a sudden it's over and you're like, oh my gosh, it's whiplash. And this is, this is my point, is, is that uh, time is not as straightforward as it seems. And this season actually, it, it, it like draws us in to consider these things if we'll pause, if we'll slow down long enough to take a breath and actually receive. So that's the invitation today. This is like the place where you can exhale whatever the, the feelings of angst that you are coming out of, of Thanksgiving, maybe you're still sitting in them. <laughs> you actually get to exhale and then hopefully we can take a breath in collectively of God's grace as we begin this Advent season. And this is actually the gift that Advent gives us. And if this is your first time stepping into a community that like does Advent type stuff, it's still new-ish around here. We're still trying to figure out what does it mean to wait and cultivate longing. And so uh, this is the beauty of Advent is it just silently comes on the scene. There's no bells, there's no fuss, unless you're like in a cathedral and you see, I don't know, like a janitor hanging up holly and things like that. But, but this, is, this is the simple invitation of Advent, to inhabit time on purpose. Just let that sink in. You're actually gonna be here on purpose. And this is not like some self-help thing of like, the, the time is now for you to live your best life. No, this is, Advent is an invitation to wait. And it's a simple invitation, but it's not simplistic. And so for the sake of clarity and knowing that many of us did not grow up with church calendars and like colors, by the way, the color is purple. Um, but if you're like, I don't, there, there's candles over there. Why are there candles over there? I don't, if this is new for you, how about a down and dirty definition of Advent? You ready? Is this okay? Can we do this? Okay, remember, we're gonna interact. We're becoming a community who we talk back and forth. This is gonna be good. So are you ready? Yes. 
Okay, by the way, if you uh, grew up with this stuff, just uh, bear with the rest of us. So the word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus. Try that on, Adventus. Yeah, you see how there's a connection there. Hmm. So Advent, it means the coming or the arrival. And the season of Advent in the church, it appeared as early as the fourth century. And so this means there's people back in the fourth century who are trying to draw the collective attention of their community to the Savior's coming. And this is like baby Jesus. Finn and I were on a walk in our neighborhood and we saw our first nativity scene and they have it like spotlit and it's uh, like white Joseph and Mary and Jesus has like already long flowing hair. And Griffin goes, and then the, like the cow and the sheep are super tiny, but not to scale, it's very odd. He goes, daddy, what is that? I didn't quite know how to describe it because I'm like, well, it's a nativity scene, but then all these other like, I'm like, well, that's Jesus was a brown man from the middle, I digress. This, this is the thing. This is the anticipation, the coming of the Savior. This is Christmas. Advent is to prepare us and to cultivate our longings for this. And to be clear, Advent was not just an intellectual exercise where you understand, okay, these four Sundays we're going to pray and read these scriptures and throughout the week we're going to pray these things and then we're going to light some candles. No, it's not just an intellectual exercise. Even in the lighting of candles, that requires something in your body. Because believe it or not, following Jesus is it's an embodied religion. That means it affects your life. I know this is crazy, but following Jesus is meant to actually change how you live. It's meant to change, yes, how you think, but then it's meant to get its way into your like neuromusculature and actually change how you live to become a person of love. So that your reaction when you get tested into something is not one of vitriol and hate and anxiety and frustration, but it's one of love and joy and peace. You with me? So this is following Jesus is actually start, it, it's like intended to change us and Advent slows us down so we might experience that change. So are you ready for Advent? Yes. Yes. The hype coming over here from, oh, it's just so good. So Advent gives us the gift of waiting. How many of you by a show of hand just love waiting? Okay, there's no hands, this is good. So let's just linger here for a moment because we wanna feel this. Uh, consider how you wait. Uh, think about what you feel when you are forced to wait. Um, so you're at a stoplight. Let's just go, go for the low hanging fruit. You're at a stoplight, there's a person in front of you and it's 2021, so obviously they're on their phone. And what do you feel? Are you the person who the light turns green and you're saying, come on, 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 come on. Is that you? Are you horns? Are you, you're on your horn already? Okay. What's that, what does that feel like? Hmm. Let's, let's say this, I was, uh, Griffin and I were out running some errands and then we got a text, uh, the, you know, dinner's being made and so we get the text, uh, go to Hy-Vee. So we're like, we're rolling through and I like to linger in the store. Don't worry, it's just the air. And, uh, and so we're, we're, we're about to go into the checkout aisle and we notice, you know when like the, the checkout aisle has to do like the L, so it's forming a line like this. So then another person comes up to open another register and are you the person who stays in the line or are you the person who like makes the dash for the open register? You can be honest with, with yourself here. Um, you're probably not going to say it. So these two people, like they see the open register and they go for it, the both of them. 
and we're just, I'm just sitting there watching this happen. And it was, it was a little like traffic jam for the open register. Like, what is that? What do you feel when you're forced to wait? So my guess is, is that for most of us, the feeling of waiting is just like discomfort. Am I, am I reading the room right? Do you, or do you feel uncomfortable right now? You're like waiting for me to get to the point. This is the point. Waiting is uncomfortable. And so when I say that Advent gives us the gift of ma- waiting, you may want to just take a hard pass on Advent and then join us in the new year when we start the Sermon on the Mount. See, but this is the funny thing about the Christian calendar is it is the new year. Oh, you didn't know this. Yeah, you may want to go to the new year, but um, it is the new year. This is the gift that Advent gives us, is we actually start with waiting. We start with longing. We cultivate collectively our desire for the Savior's coming. And then this is the million-dollar question, is uh, how? So Advent then responds. So if you have your Bibles, you can flip or tap your way on over to Psalm 25. This is the psalm that's being entered into, um, even across Des Moines, churches are just, they receive the psalm. And so you will have an Old Testament, a psalm, a New Testament, and a gospel reading. And we're going to be in the psalm today, and then the rest, in the weeks two and three, we'll be in Philippians, and the final week, we'll be in Micah. But today, we're in Psalm 25. And I just want to invite you uh, to, to hear these words. We're going to read through the whole psalm, and then we're going to focus in around verses 6 and 7 when we get into it. But just hear this whole thing. Psalm 25, Psalm of David. And I'm reading out of the NIV. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my savior or my salvation. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord for only he will release my feet from the snare. Verse 16, turn to me and be gracious to me. For I'm lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. And this is the word of the Lord. See, in any form of writing, 
and especially in ancient texts like the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament, uh, repetition is the signal for significance. And, and this is not, like we kind of get this, if somebody repeats themselves over and over again, you're like, okay, okay I get this. But think about how ancient texts were made. These are like, these are really intense. You have animal skin, you have stone and a chisel, you have a long scroll of parchment. This is an expensive enterprise. It's not like you just have like Blogspot or Instagram where you can just like, like a fount of all of your knowledge and wisdom flows from those spaces. No, like this is, this is something that you have to be intentional with. And so if you want to get someone's intention, if you want to get a point across, you repeat it. And if you can recall, I don't know, maybe um, you're instructing someone, you're coaching someone, repetition signals significance. We actually see this in the Psalm. And what this means is that every word counts. This is what's beautiful about the scriptures is that we actually get to receive the words, especially the challenging ones, and we get to wrestle with them. And I want, us to, I want us to focus in on here this fact that repetition signals significance because we see it play out in our psalm. And you may have noticed that, that there were some words that were repeating if you had ears to hear. See, three times the psalmist interjects the anticipation of Advent. The, the word that the psalmist uses is pretty explicit. It uses the word hope. And that's just the English translation of this Hebrew word kavah. Try that one on, kavah. Kava, yeah. So kava, it's interesting. In the NIV, they translate it. This is in verses 3, 5, and 21. Uh, this word kava shows up. The NIV uh, translates kava as hope. But if you're reading in the NASB, the CSB, the ESV, the NLT, if you're reading in basically, like, if, even if you're reading in Eugene Peterson's Amplified, like, the message, they translate it as wait. You say, hmm. Advent gives me the gift of waiting. Psalm 25 talks about waiting. So just hear this again. This is verses three, five, and one. Instead of hope, we hear wait. No one who waits, no one who kavahs for Yahweh, the Lord will be put to shame. The God of our salvation, our deliverance, is who we wait on all day long. Integrity and uprightness preserve the psalmist as they kavah on the Lord, as they wait on the Lord. And maybe you're thinking, okay, um, that's a lot of emphasis to put on one word. Maybe this is just semantics, a lot of fuss over a word. And yet, remember, every word counts. And these words, they, they're meant to activate something in our imagination, especially this waiting. And, and for me, as I was just sitting in this, even the, the translation between wait and hope, are those the same thing? Kind of? Ish. We, we somewhat use them interchangeably. And yet, at least as I was interacting, I could be totally wrong about this. This is kind of just as I was, I was looking at this is like waiting seems to invite me into something. Like hope is something I'm thinking about. It's something that's far off, but waiting invites me to participate in a process. It's interesting that, that the psalmist would, would then all of a sudden draw us into this, this process. You know, it's there's this waiting in the midst of the psalmist not wanting to be put to shame, in the midst of troubles, in the midst of actual anxiety. Like you see it there on the page. And I, this is just so helpful for me that at the start of Advent, we are invited into a season of waiting. And yet waiting in hope, I don't, I, want, I don't want us to dismiss hope because we actually read in the New Testament that hope will not put us to shame. So I appreciate how uh, Old Testament scholar John Goldengay, he, he talks about waiting in hope like this. He says, waiting is related to hope. 
But in English, the word hope suggests an attitude that may or may not be justified by events. Waiting is more like expectancy. And I think we can, you're even like waiting in line for a movie. Have you done this in the past like 10 years? Have you gone to a theater? You, you waited in line, maybe it's more like you're waiting in line at the drive-thru at Starbucks or something. You're like, you're expecting, it's like, yes, this is the thing. See, waiting, where, where hope is an attitude, waiting is a process. It relates to something you know or believe is going to happen. And I just notice, notice the object, notice the object of the psalmist's waiting. Hear this again in verses 3, 5, and 21. See if you can identify the object of the psalmist waiting because the object of the psalmist waiting is the object of our waiting in Advent. Indeed, none who wait for you, Yahweh, shall be put to shame. You got it yet? Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation for I will wait for you, I will wait all the day long. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. So who is the object of waiting for the psalmist? It's the Lord. Yahweh is the object of waiting. And we'll get to why that's significant as we come to a close. But for now, um, can I just strain your imagination? Is this, can, we do, can we do a thing? Okay, I'm seeing enough nods to say that there's consent in the room. Okay, so if you can, if you can, if you can do this, imagine the time, those ancient times before the cell phone. Okay, are you with me here? For some of us, our imagination is already strained. And for some here, you're like, I don't remember a world before the cell phone. That's okay. Think about a movie you've watched where there is no cell phone in that movie. Now this is gonna sound kind of crazy, but I'm just old enough to remember when there was like little to no cell phone technology. And so you would have these moments, they would be pretty normal. And you would interact with a friend. You would make a plan to do something. And then this is what's crazy. You would get the details of said plan. You would, let's say you're hypothetically gonna go to a cafe. So you would decide which cafe. You would have a date, you would have a time. And then you would actually, this, this might be, you might have a piece of paper and a pen in your pocket. And you would take it out and you would write on it. And then you might even take that pen and paper and the note that you have in your pocket, you would go home and you'd put it on a calendar that's on a wall. And then you would, what would you do? You would wait. You would wait for the day to come when you would go with your friend at the cafe. And then what you do is you get yourself ready. You know what time it is. There's a clock on the wall. It's uh, analog. It's not digital. There's, there's hands on it. Not hands, but you know what I mean. And so then you're there. You're waiting for this to happen. And it's come. The time is here. You go to the cafe and you show up. What do you do? Well, you get a table. And then maybe somebody has left like, uh, I don't know, a magazine or a newspaper. So then you just, you sit there and what, what do you do? You just wait there. Doesn't this sound like hell? <laughs> no, no, it's, um, no, this is a beautiful thing. You're sitting there and you're waiting, but let's just say that your waiting is prolonged. Like it's, you're looking because there's a well-displayed clock because it's, I don't know, the 80s or something. And there's a clock telling you that all of a sudden that, that agreed upon time at the agreed upon place and date has, um, has passed. And so you look at that note that you wrote in your pocket. Yeah, I have the right day. I have the right time. I have the right place. But your friend hasn't shown up. So what recourse do you have in this moment? What can you do? This is where, what, what do you do? You just have to wait. Is there any recourse? Are you just stuck there? 
kind of, maybe, maybe there is a public telephone. Anybody for the public telephone? Okay, so yes, I got a thumbs up from Zach in the back. Zach, you don't know. Does Zach know what a public telephone is? Okay. Um, I, I'm just wondering, I mean, maybe, like, maybe one that has like gum or something. Anyways, I, we digress, Zach. Um, so you, maybe there's a public telephone in this cafe. So then you go and you call on the, and your hope, like your prayer, your sincere and earnest prayer is that they just forgot. And so you call them, but then they don't answer. Now what do you do? Now you wait. And then the question is, how long do you wait? A little anxiety in this moment? 30 minutes is the time. Okay, so we have 30 minutes is, is the time. Yeah, so that's the threshold. So you wait 30 minutes and then you go. Now let's just say that this happens, like you, you connect with this person, you, you get home and you check your answering machine. Oh, oh, this is crazy. You play back the tape and your, your friend's like, I'm so sorry, I got caught up, etc., etc. So then you make another date and you go there and then they don't show up again. Now, now, okay, so this doesn't sound too dissimilar from today. Like you may make plans with some people and they may show up late. There's some differences in that we have some different things. Like you don't have a public telephone, you have a real telephone, it's in your pocket, it's a little computer. And, and yet, let's, let's just go with this for a moment longer. Like th this happens over and over again. They bail, they don't show up on time. This is a theme in your friendship. What does that do in your confidence with your friend? Yeah, it like erodes your confidence that they'll actually show up. Now think about our psalm again. Go, go back with me to verse one. Let's just read verses one to seven. If you're reading in anything other than the NIV, you might read, in you, Lord, I lift my soul to you. I lift my soul. It's this idea of my, my whole person. I just put it before you. In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who waits on you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Verse four, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Teach me for you are God, my savior. And for you, I wait all the day long. Remember, Lord, and listen to this. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me for you, Lord, are good. See, if, if you're like me, um, I hope that you're not. It, it takes a great deal of work, like effort to imagine yourself as um, like anything but the good character in the story. So in, in most stories when I'm thinking of myself in it, of course I am the one who's waiting for the friend. I, I, that's, 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 duh. I'm not the, like, so in our little time hop scenario, uh, let's just put the question to you. Who are you in that scenario? Are you the one waiting? Or are you the one being waited for? And if you're like me, I, I'm guessing, and that's kind of how the scenario went out. It was like, just, is that you? Are, are you the one waiting or the one being waited for? And this is what's curious about our Psalm. What if we're the ones who bailed? Like, what if we're the ones who don't show up? 
What if we're the ones who are like pleading with our friend, leaving them messages on their answering machine after we get their messages on our answering machine? What if, what if that's actually us? And, and I think that it is more often than we'd care to admit. And I think that the psalmist helps us have language to express this and then not get stuck in that place, but to wait well, even though we're the ones who often bail. And so the sobriety of the psalmist is what I want us to see here. See, see they are, just, just hear it. They're like, do not let me be put to shame. There's this, this idea that there's a limited amount of good to be had and you either have it or you do not have it. And to not have the good is to be put to shame. It's a place of disgrace and even disgust. And the psalmist is there, they're captive to it. And we, you may think, well, I don't really understand shame. No, we, we're like increasingly making our way toward an honor-shame culture. Think about cancel culture. This is, a, this is a real thing we live in. You just, how do you cancel someone? Which is like, how do you cancel someone on the internet? Which that just blows my mind. Because it's like not a real thing and yet it, it impacts us. And so here's the psalmist just being straight up with us. They're captive to the shame. They're haunted by the sins of their past. They're afflicted, they're troubled. And in the midst of this, what do we hear the psalmist do? The, the psalmist calls out on the character of God. The psalmist says, remember who you are. Do you pray like this? I know we just did like a million weeks on prayer, but is this like the substance of your prayers? God, remember who you are because your name is on the line. What? So let's just linger here because this is actually where it all comes together. Hear this again, verses six and seven. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Repetition. Repetition. Remember your love. According to your love, remember it. Like, what is it about the love of God that gives the psalmist the confidence to pray like this, the courage to pray like this? Well, we, well, we see it kind of right here. It's like it's woven into the stories of God. See this line? for they are from of old. See, love is not just something that God does. Love is at the core of God's character. If you want, you can flip your way on over to Exodus, uh, chapter 34, verses six and seven. Flip or tap your way on over there because it is, it is worth it. But keep, keep your finger in the Psalm. See, in this, in this moment, there is, there's this relationship that Moses, who has helped to literally be God's agent of deliverance for God's people, and, and this deliverer, this agent of God's deliverance, is saying, I want, to, I want to see you. I want more of you. And so then we actually get the creator God revealing God's character, revealing. This is, this is God's name being pronounced. Exodus 34, 6, we read this. Yahweh, Yahweh, or the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. You might see abounding in loving kindness or overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. See, that, that word that the psalmist used, that word love, it is this hyperlink 
back to the character of God. See, because when the psalmist says, remember me according to your love, he's saying, think about your character. Think about who you are. This is the very same thing that Moses will then do when, when the people of Israel have received God's care, received God's deliverance, and then they turn on God because they cannot wait for him. They actually bail on him. And Moses says, no, remember who you are. Remember your love. And the word is this Hebrew word chesed. You kind of have to reach into the back of your throat. Try this one on, chesed. Oh, that's good. A little spittle, but... But, but no, this is, this is the beauty of the creator God saying, this is, this is who I am. And then the people of Israel will just call this to mind. I love how... Uh, Carmen Imes and Tim Mackey, they, they give shape to this word. This is how they describe it. It's an idea that combines being generous with being loyal, and it wraps it all up in the emotion of deep affection for another. So it's generosity, and it's loyalty, and it's affection, chesed. And this word, it's just littered all over the Hebrew Bible. Some like 245 times it's in the Hebrew Bible, 127 times it's in the Psalms, three times it shows up in our Psalm, Psalm 25, 75% of the 245 times it's talking about God. If you like data, you were tracking. If you don't, I'll keep going. But repetition, like this word, God's chesed shows up. Why? Because the Psalmist is trying to wait. And who is the Psalmist waiting on? Who's the object of the Psalmist waiting? the Lord. And what is at the core? What's the substance of the Lord? Chesed. Do you see here then how we situate ourselves in Advent? We remember, we ask God to remember this. And I just love, this is what R.P. Gordon says to help us get this in our mind. The biblical writers are persuaded that this life is fragile one lives surrounded by threat posed by the calamities of nature, the hostility of enemies, and the weakness of self. Amen. And the same writers plead for God to save them by his chesed. And they recognize that this effective loyalty on God's part is their only hedge against disaster. So the beauty of Psalm 25 leading us into this season of waiting is that it leads us into this true gift, just God's very character come to us. See, God's chesed is not something that is meant to be like some inaccessible theological category. It's not just something that you think about. We actually get to experience the love of God. And my guess is, is that in this community, in this room alone, there has been more experience of chesed than you could have ever imagined. But we don't remember it. We don't actually draw these stories to mind because the loyal love of God, it seems far off. But what Advent does is it says, let's slow down. Let's remember. Let's actually be the type of people who could be transformed into people of chesed. And so as we enter this kind of shift in time, what if we actually did this together? What if we remembered? Um, and this is what we're gonna do. In the next few moments, I'm just gonna share what it is to remember God's gratitude. I'm gonna actually invite you to come. We're gonna ask the Spirit of God to bring to mind a memory of gratitude. A moment when we experience the chesed, the loyal love and faithfulness of God. And then we're just gonna think about it. 
trying to think about the, the, the scene that we were in, the, the smells, the sounds, the, the, um, what, what was happening in our body, ready, like what we felt. We're going to just try that on. And then um, we're going to get real awkward. We're gonna, in, a, in a couple of sentences, I just didn't invite you to share it. Because if this community ends up being about people up front saying some stuff and singing some songs, I just don't think that's going to be the thing that forms us into people of love. Like we actually need to see the stories of God that he's been faithful in this season. And so I'll just, I'll, I'll lead us into this and then we're going to have a moment. Um, the mic is going to be here and, uh, and you can come up and you can share. If, if somebody starts coming up when you come up, that's okay. Just form a line and wait. See what we did there? Yeah. And then, um, and then when, it's, when the waiting is over, we're going to bring up and we're going to light a candle. We're going to take communion. If you don't have it, there's um, the bread and the cup are either out at front or there's some in the baskets to your left. And so let me just, let me share with you what this could look like to remember. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to do something. And I just invite you maybe to echo this prayer, but with your own words, um, to ask the Spirit of God to help you remember like a, a place, a moment. Uh, maybe it was um, like the, the moment where you came to trust Jesus. Maybe it was the moment where a, a child, a, a nephew, a friend gave this, this gift. Maybe it was a sunset. And then you just think about it. And you just, the, the, all the senses, bring your senses to bear on that memory. And just wonder, God, like what? It's just a moment of saying thank you. And so let me, let me pray, and then we're going to do this together. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We thank you that you have set your face towards your church, uh, that there is, uh, there's actual joy to be had in you. Um, we thank you for your, your love from days of old that is the same today that we actually get to experience it, that we're being transformed into people of love. And so um, I, just, I would just ask Holy Spirit that uh, in these next few moments, you would bring collectively to the imagination of this church, these people whom you have set your affection, whom you have set your face, that you would remind them of your love. And if they feel stuck in it, that's okay. Just like help us to share that of like, I don't feel any moment of gratitude. And we just give that over to you, Jesus. We, we, we give those moments that, that this season is itself a frustration. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, would you come? Would, would you help us to wait on you because you are worth the wait? So let us remember. Remember.